freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hello, culminators. Very excited. Don't, don't they always say I'm very excited? And you know what the irony is? I'm always being sincere. On the one hand, I'm always being sincere. On the other hand, those of you who know me know that I'm actually never excited. So I'm sincere when I say it, but I, I don't, not as, an act, not as a description of, of an emotional feeling, but I, I am pleased. How about I'm pleased with today? Today, we're going to talk to a, a real central figure in the, on the issue of free speech, somebody who was really, a, you know, he's got a story to tell. A lot of you already know it. But if you're watching the culmination, you might be a little bit less plugged in because I do tend to attract a lot of people like you, folks. Um, my guest today is the one and only Count Dankula. Welcome to Culmination. How are you? I'm all right, Ron. How are you doing, man? You Pretty good? good, thanks. <laughs> the Count and I, or Dank, um, have uh, followed each other on Twitter for a while. You might have followed me first, actually. It was maybe after I was doing some stuff for Tommy Robinson, I got onto your radar. I'm thinking it might be. I don't know. I mean, or just because I'm just so brilliant and funny, that's another possibility. Oh, was it definitely the law? Yeah, it was. Definitely- <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, so you are, of course, a, a renowned um, uh, offense giver. Uh, although you have managed, despite on the one hand, most of the people who we we talk about free speech, the the uh, suppression of free speech on this. Uh, podcast are being suppressed media-wise, but you aren't. You only managed to get yourself arrested and convicted for wrong speak. Your wrong speak was not very funny, or maybe it was, but what you did was you stepped on one of the third rails of what passes in the UK for political correctness, which is which can be a confusing thing to figure out in, in either the US or the UK. Why don't you tell the story? I'm sure you know how to do it in a very compact and efficient form by now, and we'll take it from there. Well, it was it was essentially uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, now wife, uh, had a pet pug and she thought it was the cutest thing in the world and she wouldn't shut up about how cute the pug was. Uh, which I found a little bit annoying. I was getting sick of it. Uh, and then, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dak. Wait, I, you're not from Iowa, are you? Iowa? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's make it very clear. You, you are. Are you in? Where do you live? Scotland. You're in Scotland, Scotland and, and you are from Scotland, as your as your brogue tells us. So that makes you a little bit more exotic than our, you know, than our, our typical guest. But I, I, I should. I did. Oh, I do owe it to my guests to make it clear that. I, I noticed that you talk funny, uh, and that <laughs> I don't want them to feel that they're missing out on something. Okay, so you had, you had, you had this girlfriend who is now your wife. You made a, she made an honest man out of you, 
and pet. Did you tell the yeah. pet part yet? Okay. Yeah, it was uh, our pet pug. Thought it was cute. Thought it was adorable. Kept going on about it to the point where I was finding it a little bit annoying. Then one day I sort of had a little bit of a light bulb moment where I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I turned her cute little apple of her eye into one of the worst things ever to upset her? Uh, so I decided it was, it came to me one day when I went to give him a treat and like most dogs, he gives you a paw, but he lifted up his paw a bit too early and I thought, haha, that kind of looks like a little Nazi salute. And then, you know, the, the light bulb appeared above my head. <laughs> And uh, I got the idea, but the problem was uh, I managed to train him to do it whenever I say phrases like uh, uh, gas the Jews or Zeke Hale. The problem is he didn't do it every single time. You know, the training was still a, you know, a process. He so wasn't as good as a, as a human Nazi, in other words, because they, once they get their training down, oh yeah, they're yeah. completely reliable. Def yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, pugs are a, a little bit lacking in the genetics department. You know, for example, their, their lungs are in their ears. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a little bit harder to train a pug. So I decided to film a collage of all the events, and then I was going to surprise uh, her one day going, oh, I know this really funny YouTube video. You should come and see it. Uh, but before I got the chance to even do that, I went on vacation to Iceland because I was attending a convention. And... I didn't know that the video had been posted to Reddit. It made it to the front page of Reddit and it was going viral. But the problem was I was on a plane going to Iceland. And then when I arrived in Iceland, because I'm in a foreign country, my phone doesn't work. And it wasn't until the next day that I connected to the hotel Wi-Fi that my phone blew up with literally thousands of notifications. I had a bunch of missed calls from my girlfriend. And then when I, I phoned her, I said, what the hell is going on? She said, why are there reporters at the door? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now that I have, now I'm going to prove my ability to completely defy the strictures of time, space, and dimension. I took care of space. I explained that you're a Scotsman. Dimension, and you and I are always going to be in a, a different dimension from most other people. But in terms of time, there's, a, there's some, something else we have to explain to the uneducated listener, which is why would so many people have seen your video you were already an established youtuber back back then i wasn't back you were then, not back then i my, my, i only started my channel in 2015 and the, the videos i uploaded to it were nonsense like, oh, like they were just dumb videos i wasn't yeah the garbage stuff that people do when they first yeah yeah just just having okay. fun with friends and at the time i only had eight subscribers <laughs> Who were my friends? They, they were people that I knew in the real world. And uh, that's how... How were you making a living at the time? I was working in private security. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I believe that. Yeah, Working I, in private security sounds like a good euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> Some of it I can't talk about. But, <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, we don't know how this person found the video. Because usually when you've got like no subscribers and you don't use tags or effective video titles or anything, when sure. you upload the video, it, it disappears into the ocean. Like sure, of course. Yeah, it vanishes. So, But somehow, uh, someone from America, I have no idea how, managed to come across the video and posted it to Reddit and it made it to the front page of Reddit. And then from there, I was in lots of newspapers and journalists were harassing my family. They were calling, they were even calling my grandmother as well, trying to get, you know, comments and stuff like that. And then uh, 
I was still in Iceland. I was still in Iceland at this convention the entire well, time. Well, Mark, Marky was always a Nazi. We thought we thought he was going to grow up to run a concentration camp. We did. <laughs> what were they going to ask your grandmother? What did they expect him to say? The idea was to punish you and your family for yeah. the offense. That's right. We know that from libs of TikTok, of course. Yeah, yeah that was the a, most a, recent a, example of that. Harass the family, terrify them, you know, uh, as punishment for, you know, the, uh, the grotesque crime of making someone a little bit offended, but uh, ended up, my friends, when I was in Iceland, were making jokes going, what if the police are waiting for you at the airport when you get back? And me, because back then I wasn't, I wasn't aware of how bad the free speech problem was. I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Like, nah, that, that's, that'll be fine. That's not going to happen. I came back home, no police at the airport, but then two days later, I got a knock at the door and it was the uh, spe special unit. Uh, it was the uh, oh the special unit, huh? Yeah, this uh, CID. They're called this uh, criminal criminal intelligence division or investigation division or something. They're called. Uh, so they come into my house and they say, "I'm pretty sure you know why we're here." And I'm like, "So is yeah. that kind of like the FBI in the US?" Not like the FBI. They're they they're, they're they're not incompetent. There's uh, no, and they don't and they don't uh, grim mass shooters either. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically. They are, they're not quite as high as the FBI, but they, they might be considered that here, possibly. Like, they're not quite as advanced as the FBI, though. But they knocked the door. Stupidly, I let them in, which, uh, you know, first mistake. But they came in and says, I'm sure you know why we're here. And I says, is it about the video? And they say, yep, it's about the video. Do you want to explain a little bit to us? I gave them only very basic information because not my first rodeo. Uh, but then oh, just... it wasn't your first rodeo. No, my tell first me rodeo. about your other rodeo. No, the rodeos. Oh no, it's just a. Uh, it's, it's Scotland. I've been in a lot of fights. <laughs> so... Oh, okay. In other words, it wasn't your first rodeo with the police. With, with the police, yeah. Well, not okay. my first rodeo with the police. Uh, and in Scotland, uh, there isn't enough time for courts to charge all fights, so usually they just arrest you and let you out the next day, and that's it. All right, just uh, you just keep your mouth shut the entire time and say the other guy started it. Uh, but uh, ended up like they just matter of fact just says well we're here to arrest you so I, I, I started laughing and I'm like okay and I was like <laughs> I was like really really for, for that video and they were like yeah we're here to arrest you. like so serious and I was like alright okay like can I get changed because I was in my pyjamas right and they were like yeah that's fine now this is the bit that was a little bit weird right as a journalist had been at my house for like all while I was at uh, Iceland, and there was a there was a group of local youths uh, who I who I knew who lived in my area, and I instructed them to whenever you see any of these people, would you kindly see them out of the area? <laughs> right? Just. Offered to escort them to a more appropriate um, zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. non, non, strictly non-violently. I'm not even saying that just in a legal sense. I did tell them, don't, oh, I'm don't, sure. don't beat them up. Like, oh, just, yeah. just get rid of them. But, uh, and then for days, there was no reporters. No, Nobody was near my house, and that was all fine. That was good. But then at the exact time that the police were coming to arrest me, there were reporters there. Now, there's only no, a few... No yeah. coincidence. No questions, right? There's only a few ways that that could have happened. Either uh, the reporters are psychic, either they're psychic and knew the exact date and time of my arrest, or the police tipped them off and brought the reporters with them so that they could get a perp walk. They could get a perp walk. And there's a famous picture of me getting led out of my house in handcuffs while I'm laughing my head off. Right. And, and thereby looking like a 
a, a what's a defiant. Yeah, I, I I knew they wanted the angry skull. They wanted the they wanted the criminal to look like a criminal. That's that's what they wanted, right? But instead, I was just laughing my head off because the whole situation was so ridiculous. Uh, I was taken. I was held in prison. Uh, because of the nature of it was classed as a hate crime. It wasn't a case of you get taken down, you get processed, you get released. I was held in jail. Uh, and then I went to court and was released on bail. The bail system over here is it's not, we don't have a monetary bail system. Just the judge decides if you get bail or not. It's totally at the judge's discretion. Um, <clears throat> I was then released and I was told to come back from a court date. And the trial went on for about two years. So tw twice as long as Nuremberg. Uh, so so uh, the trial went on for two years and uh, during the trial I had, uh, I was going to say one of the most vicious prosecutors who was pulling every dirty trick in the book but to be honest that's just a prosecutor so that's a bit redundant yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, and even, even halfway through the trial he tried to, the maximum sentence that I could have got, what I was actually charged with was a breach of section 127 of the Communications Act of 2003 and that was posting a grossly offensive image or video on social media. Now, what is grossly offensive? It's a completely subjective metric. You know, what some people might find grossly offensive, others might just find funny. Uh, however... You know what? I'd sign off on grossly offensive. You know, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that almost anything you do with gas the Jews as the dialogue yeah. uh, is, <laughs> is grossly offensive. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, but on the other hand, that's what what is you know to me that says okay, this guy's got a kind of sixth sense of humor. I don't think I'm going to be a regular subscriber to his. I don't think I'm going to be subscriber number nine. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, they're making you very famous, though. Yeah. Uh, basically, when I was arrested and I was in all the papers and everything again, like, uh, and also every time I had a court date. I saw a massive surge in subscribers. Like, you know, if you go on Social Blade and you see channel statistics, see if you go on my subscriber bit and you see every huge boost in subs, each of those boosts was my court date. So, these, so to be clear, when you say it was a two-year trial, it wasn't every day for two years. No, it was no, no, on and off and on and off and continuance. And I, I don't know what the phraseology is in, 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 a, in a Scottish court, but I think we had that's how... Eight, eight trial dates, eight trial dates, but they were all dotted like three or four months apart, you know, type thing. Like that's that's the way it worked. Um, and uh, so they turn you into a select. Here, here they're trying to, they're trying to restrict your influence by yeah. using you as a, uh, you know, as an example of what a tasteless uh joke that treads on the third rail of tastelessness because yeah. you're allowed to be tasteless about the church you're allowed to be tasteless about religion and god you're allowed to be tasteless about uh the right you're a uh, donald trump for sure you're not allowed to be tasteless however about ethnic anything any kind of racial or ethnic hatred all of a sudden now you're now you're a war criminal but instead they have magnified your influence now, did, was any effort made to get you off YouTube? I mean, that would have been... Yeah, there, there was a... The journalists were constantly reaching out to YouTube and they do this thing where they don't outright say it, but they, you know you know the little veiled threat where it's like, oh, people are very upset about this. You don't want to make people mad now, do you? And everything. And YouTube, for the longest time, did actually fight it. YouTube were saying, and this, 
I think I think this is like one of the most fair opinions, right? Where people have said to me, I don't like your humor, I don't like your comedy, the Nazi pug thing, I didn't like it, it wasn't for me. But you should never in a million years have been arrested for it. That me, like I'm not asking people to enjoy the joke because enjoying a joke is not up to me. That's up to the person hearing the joke. I just don't want to be arrested for it and sent to prison. And that's why whenever people say your joke was shit, but you should not have been arrested, that's a fair as that's a fair as fuck opinion. I'm completely fine with that opinion, right? But it was just a and yet see if the media ignored it. If, see if it just went viral that one day on Reddit and the papers didn't kick up a fuss and the police didn't come and arrest me and all that stuff. I would have been, basically, they're called one-hit wonders. You you get channels like that all the time where they have sure. one viral as hell video, and then but the channel's only got like 10,000 subs, and then that's it. They fade away into obscurity because they've never released another video like that. See, after all the first surge of newspaper articles and stuff like that, I only got 3,000 subscribers. That was oh, all. It, yeah, yeah it, it's hard to, you know, I've got these friends who do this law tube stuff and they stream every day explaining the law and, and most of them are very talented, but they, they do like a round robin where one of them is going to be the channel for a, a particular trial that's going to be, get a lot of national attention and everyone appears on that guy or gal's channel and they're all cracking one, two, three hundred thousand dollars, thousand subscribers. Because, but me, my little channel, I can't get. You know, I've rec- I can't get past eight thousand subscribers, and I'm by far the most talented person out of the entire group. But <laughs> the, you know, the, yeah, you have to fight the algorithm. You have to know what people really want to watch. Yeah, and, and like you know, so right now it's Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, exactly, that's, that's, and yeah. that's what, right, and that's the so. But let me get this straight though. So YouTube was resisting. Now, how about the 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 video itself? The, 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 the demonetized the video, which fair, fair yeah, right, okay, you're completely fair. But I never switched the monetization on, though. <laughs> I, th- I don't know if YouTube had a system where they recognize a video is going viral and then YouTube system automatically puts ads on it, like just to sort of like get earn, earn that revenue. But they demonetized the video and fine, that, that's fine. But uh, they went through this weird process between like 2016 and 2020 where they would take the video down and then all of a sudden the video would be back up, but then it would go down and then it'd be back up and YouTube kept doing it. I ended up contacting them going like, can you make up your mind? Is the video allowed or is it not allowed? And eventually they did delete it permanently, but they gave my channel a strike. And I was like, it's not fair giving me a strike for a video that you've told me a bunch of times was actually okay. And YouTube went, okay, fair enough. The strike's being removed, but you're not allowed to have that video on YouTube. And I went, that's okay. That's fine. But uh, yeah, it was just like the whole trial, every time there was a trial date, I was in the newspapers again, and that just attracted even more subscribers to the channel. Like that that just became another big thing. And, and, like, what, did you, and what did you do with the channel at that point? I mean, at this point, you're basically a bouncer. Uh, and, you, and you did this one tasteless video that, to put it mildly, went viral. Yeah. Was, now you're now you're being given all this opportunity to be a, an influencer. Where do you where do you draw from? Like all of a sudden, what happened? You you were struck by lightning and became a great. The thing person. is, I didn't I didn't want to be like see because I'd never been through anything like that before. I'd I'd never been through like that type of situation before. Where I have 
newspapers and journalists and like the police oh, and court coming most, after me. Most people don't have that experience. <laughs> so, so my 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 balls had been cut off, right? I was very timid. I was like, oh my god, I need to be careful what I say. I need to be careful what I do. I can't act like this. I don't want to go outside in case there's journalists there and all that type of stuff. I just went, okay, I'm just going to fade back into, into obscurity. I'm just going to get normal jobs again, and I'm just going to go back to the way things were. But the problem was. I was like, you know, the, the face of Nazism in the UK, like thanks to all the newspapers. So every time I went for a job, they would recognize me in the interview or I would be stupid and be honest with them and I would never get the job. There was some one job where I managed to get it, but someone recognized me on the first day and I got fired on the spot. And then some places where I did manage to get the job and the employer was like, oh, no, you'll be fine. I, I can handle it. I can handle any grief that I get. And leftists were then doxing where I worked and sure. then harassing, harassing them into firing me. So I couldn't get a job. So the reason I went back to YouTube was just because I had a lot of free time had somewhat subscribers now and it was a case of it's not what i wanted to do i wanted to go back to normal but leftists wouldn't let me so now so what did you start doing on youtube it was mostly so did you hire a bunch of good jewish writers no it was just me it was just it was just me and some friends we just made like dumb little skits and everything and then i started doing like more videos of me talking about issues and it was mostly with like freedom of speech uh leftism you know the police the state you know other, other things like that you start thinking that, about things you never thought you'd think about right exactly and like i said it's like i didn't understand how bad the free speech problem was until i was directly affected by it and I've, i could there's many other examples of that happening you know uh, graham linehan great he's called glenner mostly no, I, I, I do not Ma massive legendary comedy writer in the UK. He's made some of the greatest comedy shows ever in the UK. Like he wrote them. So he, he has a huge feather in his cap for that. But he came after me and he was saying that I was racist and all these other things. But the comedians are the worst, except for a handful of obvious exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Something about comedians that makes them so obsequious to, to the regime. And it's so ironic because they're supposed to be the the, the only ones who will speak the truth to power, but yeah. the ones who are the comedians who have that power or ones who want that power are absolute. The bootlicking is mind-boggling. It's, it's it's fear of losing their career, and that's what I've spoken to. Like there's, there's there are comedians who are very very vocal about their politics, right? But then there are other ones who don't talk about it at all. Now the ones that don't talk about it at all are the ones that might be a tiny bit like right of center or they really are conservative but they know that if they come out about any of that they will get fired or not only come out they won't come out to my show people who follow i've had i have comic yeah. professionals who you think if somebody with two hundred thousand followers on twitter says would you come on my on my on my podcast that's you know unless you're already jerry seinfeld that's that's, that's going to be some good exposure that might help get some people to your show yeah, they can't come on my show. Once they come on my show, I'm the face of Orthodox Jewish Nazism in the U.S. Just you know, <laughs> so, and so so you so you began to think about things you hadn't thought about before. You you become kind of a social critic because you're living, you're having this experience in real life. Um, you start like studying up, learn you know, learning about you know. Uh, I started I started reading mostly into like the laws and things like that and how 
the government just keeps passing new ones and it's obviously to like have a chilling effect but racism and anti-semitism and stuff like that is being used as the excuse and it's a convenient excuse because even if you can identify so many rights and liberties that a hate crime law would restrict if you come out against it then everyone can just go oh well you're a racist you're an anti-semite and everything and that's the problem it offers like that convenient armor for the law but we all know like we all know that when it comes to anti-semitism and it comes to racism or bigotry or homophobia and all that we all know governments don't actually care about that they they don't they don't give a fuck about it at all what they what they care about is it's a political weapon yeah it's, it's a convenient useful excuse to bring these laws in right so that they can arrest people for you know dissidents you know people that speak out against the state like one of the best examples that i can give of just complete Stalinism, and you can actually read this, and it is in the police's own hate crime operational guidance handbook, right? And it all comes down to perception. Perception is why why is all it takes for someone to be arrested and charged of a crime. So, for example, let's say that me we are walking down the street, right? You've this is in Britain, right? If you you don't have your yarmulke on, there's absolutely no way I know that you're Jewish whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, let's say, let's say, <laughs> yeah, and we we accidentally bang into each other, and I turn around to you and go, "Watch where you're fucking going," and I keep walking. Right now, I didn't say a slur to you. I didn't say anything like that, and like, I had no idea whatsoever that you were Jewish. But see if you say to the police, "I think he spoke to me like that because I'm Jewish." Your perception—that's enough for an arrest. Enough. In other words, at least there, you're at least, there's at least going to be an arrest. Yeah. Be, be, by virtue of of my having made the complaint. Yes, you you would need to make the complaint, or even even if you were like wearing your yarmulke and stuff like that as you were walking down the street, and I banged into you and went, "Watch where you're fucking going," and I kept walking, and two police officers seen it. Even the police officer's perception, he can go, "I think he spoke to him like that because he's Jewish." That's also enough for an arrest. So it comes right, down so to the victim and the police officer's perception. Let's do our first screen share. Distinctly heard it. He muttered under his breath, "Jew." I'm not. We were walking off the tennis court, and you know he was there, and me and his wife, and he looked at her, and then they both looked at me, and under his breath he said, "Jew." Oh, you're a total paranoid. Well, how am I a paranoid? I pick up on those kind of things. You know, I was having lunch with some guys from NBC, so I said, uh, "Do you eat yet, or what?" And Tom Christie said, "No, Jew." Not did you, Jew eat, Jew? No, not did you eat, but Jew eat, Jew, you get it? Jew eat. Uh, Max. Stop calling me Max. Why, Max? It's a good name for you. Max, you see conspiracies and everything. Oh, I know. You know, I was in a record store. Listen to this. So I know there's this big, tall, blonde, crew-cutted guy, and he's looking at me in a funny way and smiling, and he's saying, yes, we have a sale this week on Wagner. Wagner, Max. Wagner. So I know what he's really trying to tell me very significantly. Wagner. Right, so, you know, <laughs> that's that that is from Annie Hall from Annie Hall, 1975. Yeah. 19, and, and, and Woody Allen, for all his his own political correctness, although he he has his relationship with political correctness is a very nuanced one. Um, he's already he's obviously mocking his fellow Jews who hear and perceive, and himself, because he, he, I'm sure that this is exactly what he describes was yeah, yeah. what goes through his mind. 
But that perception, Jewy, yet that would have been enough under under UK law yeah. to, to get to get you cuffed or at least taken in. The the intent inside the mind doesn't matter. And what can happen is courts can just invent intent, right? They can just invent it. Because that's what happened during my trial. I went, I stood in front of the judge, I stood in front of everyone saying, I made this to be a funny video. I just wanted to make a joke. That was it. But then the prosecutor stood up and basically did the whole dog whistling thing where he says, no, you were doing this video to incite hatred of Jews. You want people to attack Jews. You want this. And it was just all this exaggerated, hyperbolic, complete fucking nonsense. Now, right? was there any ba any basis in your life history or other that were able to, to bring evidence that you, in fact, were an anti-Semite or are an anti-Semite? Or no. you're just a the regular guy. It, it, they, they brought in the Scottish intelligence service to go through my computer and go through my electronic devices. And when they took the stand, basically they, my, my lawyer says, did you find anything whatsoever linking him to any anti-Semitic groups, far-right groups, racist groups, bigoted groups, blah, blah. Did you find any publications? Did you find any documents, any notes? And the guy sat there and went, no, we found nothing like that at all. Like, because guess what? I'm not. But for the trial, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. You know, having a literal intent. And the problem is as well is I still get people to this day who go, you really are a secret Nazi. You really are like this and that. And I'm like, okay, then a literal intelligence service went through all of my stuff, all of my computers, devices, online accounts, everything. And they found nothing. You would think I would maybe even have a, like a little PDF of like main camp or something somewhere, but no, they found none of that at all. But there are still people out there, you know, little NB pony bro, like he, sure. he, they, she, them on Twitter thinks they know better than a literal intelligence agency. Like, and that's that's what we have to deal with. And well, so now let's do our, our next screen share. You get the idea. It's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. It's it's been fifty years since the the producers came out. Based on what you're telling me, is it not true? Based on your understanding, I, mean, I understand that you're you're not a solicitor, but if Mel Brooks could be arrested by somebody uh, in the UK for so who, if that person claimed that they found this this uh movie to, to be uh, offensive yeah and by the way it's offensive yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> the, but the thing is as well like technically that like the parodying of nazis and saying things like here comes the master race under uk laws technically yeah that's that's a crime that is a crime and everything i mean especially like blazing saddles which is another huge classic for Mel Brooks, right? A lot of the stuff that's said in that, you know, like the, the one of the famous jokes where they say there's, they found quicksand further down the railway line and he goes, I'll send down a few horses to check it out. 
and he says, horses, we can't afford to lose any horses. Send down a couple of N-words <laughs> like that. Like that would be a that's a crime in Britain. But the problem is, is some people get away with it. Well, yeah. there's no, I think everyone agrees it would be impossible, impossible to make blazing saddles today. Yeah, impossible. literally impossible. It, it would, make, no. And it doesn't, and you know, I there's one more. I'll tell you, I'm gonna show you one that really when I first saw it. I was actually, I really thought he had gone over the line with this one. And I think he did. And this is, you know, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work. And yet I can't get the tune out of my head um, decades later. Right. That's Mel Brooks himself. Yeah. Kakamata, do not implore him for compassion. Kakamata, do not beg him for forgiveness. Kakamata, do not ask him for mercy. Let's face it, you can't talk him out of anything. Let all those who wish to confess their evil ways and to accept and embrace the true church convert now or forever burn in hell. For now begins the Inquisition. Inquisition. Let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. We're gonna teach them from the right. We're gonna help them see the light and make an offer that they can't refuse. That the Jews just can't refuse. Converse. Don't be boring. Say yes. Don't be dull. A fact. You're ignoring. It's better to lose your skull cap than your skull. Oh, yeah, come on. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Here we go. We know you wish. Oi. Yeah. The, 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 prob the problem is, right, that the instant I see Mel Brooks on the screen, I'm like, none of this is serious. <laughs> like, no, none of this is serious in any way whatsoever. The instant so I see his face. <laughs> so you so you so you know Dank, i i was involved in a case that went to the united states supreme court uh that involved the question of whether or not the government had uh constitutional authority to deny the registration of a trademark if that trademark was disparaging which the courts really wrenching the statute from its original 1940s meaning turned into a civil rights provision and said uh, oh, disparaging. That means that if if the if American if Native Americans, as they call uh, American Indians now, what they used to call Red Indians in the UK, as I remember, um, if somebody is offended from that group, a substantial cross section of the group, which is an interesting thing to try to prove in a trial yeah. uh, or, in a, or in a legal proceeding, then they couldn't register the trademark. And the Supreme United States Supreme Court said that was unconstitutional, that's viewpoint discrimination, let the market sort it out. But one of the interesting things that came up, the name of my client was Simon Tam, and he was the head of a, of a, a rock group called I've, The Slants. I've heard the story. You've yeah. you yeah. heard the story of The Slants. Yeah. And one of the, and he was very offended when they denied his application to register the trademark for the band, because he said, excuse me, I'm an Asian American, I'll decide what offends me. I don't need you to protect me from that. 
And until we got to the Supreme Court, that argument wasn't considered to be uh, good enough. Now, what I learned about in the process there was that, and by the way, the Supreme Court didn't rely on that at all. But what I learned in the process was that's something called reappropriate, um, reappropriation. We're going to take a something that is hurtful and play with it and put it in your face to show you we're here, we're here, we're queer, whatever it is they say. Well, it was, we're, we're going to put it in your face and we're now going to be that to you. And to some extent, that's my shtick. That's my shtick too. I, I understand that. Um, but one of the things I kept making, trying to explain to people was it doesn't matter that it's Simon Tam and he wants to use the slur himself. Besides the fact that as a matter of trademark law, it wouldn't have made sense because he could always assign it to somebody else, the trademark, the registration. Yeah. Um, our view of where of whether something is offensive or not can't depend on who the person is who's saying it or what his status is. Not So here we are. I gave you two examples from Mel Brooks. And as you said, the second I said, and one from Woody Allen, two of the best known Jews, American Jews in the world. Um, as soon as you know, you get into go in the old days, you go to the theater or you, or you, you know, you see them on YouTube or whatever, you know, it's going to be a joke, you know, it's funny. Yeah. And on the other hand, when you're uh, a private security guy with eight subscribers on YouTube in Scotland, where you might not see a Jew for Europe, wherever you will, I don't know exactly where you were living, but you could go a very long time without bumping into Jews. It's not like uh, Brooklyn over there. Um, maybe it's different. I think you probably agree with me. It shouldn't make any difference whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Although the perception, I guess under UK law, the perception, the perception issue would be, is there, in other words, is it entirely subjective? This perception, in other words, there's nothing that, sa that says, hey, this should signal to people that this, a joke is coming. Yeah, it's, it's, I even said, like, I don't know if you've seen the video, at the start of the video, I go, this is what I'm doing, here is why I'm doing it. I didn't just upload a video <laughs> of me shouting, gas the Jews at my dog with, like, no context like, whatsoever, because then that, that would have been very, very weird and awkward. That's why I, I thought, if, and just in case anyone discovers this video, I want this explanation at the start where I'm saying... I'm doing this to annoy my girlfriend that, that, you know, here's the X, Y, and Z of the whole video. But even that in court, apparently that didn't matter. Apparently all of that was lies. And it was just me trying to secretly, you know, spread my anti-Semitic views, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and the argument, and did you actually ever hear anyone actually justify it? In other words, say, if this video, if, if people are allowed to make videos with tasteless jokes involving pet tricks yeah then what it's it's going to normalize using those kinds of words it's going to the, the prosecutor says that it could instigate violence against uh, jewish people against jewish people and then but my lawyer stood up and says this trial has been going on for a year now the video has been out for a year and six months can you cite one example of that and all that and they, they and can... by the way have you have you ever heard a um a left-wing politician in the UK talk about the state of Israel. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I have, uh, but not in a, not in a, not in a favorable light. 
if you just if you, so if you switch out the word Zionists for Jews, you can say anything, and in fact, maybe even get an award for it. Oh yeah, I've done so let me ask you, Jeremy Corbyn. You ever heard that? Name? I certainly, I certainly am. I certainly <laughs> am. And what was fascinating to me was how how that got turned over 180 degrees. The Jew, you see, this is always what happens. The Jews forced out Jeremy Corbyn. Or the Zionists forced out Jeremy Corbyn. You see. Oh, now you're saying I can't criticize the Jews, I mean, the Zionists for forcing out Jeremy Corbyn, and then it becomes this self-referential, there's no end to it. Now, Corbyn really is a terrible person, and he's not yeah. missed, and I was glad when he fell from his level of influence, but, but that's a political choice that the Labour Party can make internally on its own. They didn't, no one arrested him. Yeah. Now, let's fast forward, because I think you and I could probably talk for hours about this, but what has has anything changed has anything been learned has any has that where are we now it's 2022 i think it's getting there casey i am noticing a shift i am noticing a shift in people's perceptions and stuff like that like uh this giving me a little bit of a, a white pill you know making me a bit more hopeful about the future where even corporations are starting to reject the woke bullshit that's i'm seeing that starting and it was a casey and i've there's a parallel that I drew to this, like way, way, way back when, you know, we're talking about, you know, Mel Brooks and Hollywood and stuff like that. The Hayes Code, like the old code that Hollywood had, where there were strict like morality rules on what you were allowed to show. And it was it was basically Hollywood going, Holly, old right wingers in Hollywood going, this is the way society should be. This is the way things should be. And you're awful if you don't live like this. People ended up getting sick of getting preached to like that. People don't like watching movies and being told that they're awful for the way they choose to live their lives. And it ended up that foreign films that didn't obey the Hayes Code ended up becoming far more popular and everyone was leaving in droves. Eventually, the American market couldn't compete, so they got rid of the Hayes Code and then started making, you know, good movies. You know, that's when basically the 70s and everything where you had things like The Godfather and all that coming out and Scarface, movies that would never have been allowed under the Hayes Code. But I'm seeing the same thing happening now where... The left wing who are in charge of the institutions, I'm going to call it the woke codes, where they had shows like Anti-Racist Baby and Queer Force. And let me tell you why the whites are the problem. Like that type of stuff. And everyone just ended up going, ah, fuck this, and, and tuned out and went elsewhere. Like Netflix's share price plummeted by half in one day. And now it's, and I'm basically, we're seeing the exact same parallel. Putting rules on media and content and trying to shift society doesn't work because the Hayes Code tried that and society shifted anyway, right? Society done a, you know, the 60s and 70s, you know, were a huge shift to the left socially. But, and we're seeing it now, except in this case, it's a shift to the right. And, you know, you do have these special talents like Chris Rock and, and this guy in the UK. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. he, he, what he gets away with is mind boggling. And then you could, you could pre-write what the you know the usual suspects are going to say, you know Ricky new new Ricky Gervais uh, you know uh, routine offends many, <laughs> you know, and, you know yeah. well, you, <laughs> it's so it's a, the, uh, amazingly if some people are able to break through and make a difference and now you, and, and now by virtue of this repressive preposterous law because you know Americans don't realize that there is no First Amendment in the UK, there's no, yeah. there's no Bill of Rights at all. 
Um, it's a, you know, it's a very different environment. You can't get arrested in the United States. You, but, uh, but I think if your video had gone up in 2018, whether you would have been arrested or not, I think it probably would have been taken down yeah. and maybe even before it went viral. Like, you know, I, I think there's just a lot the, the social and, and uh, among the censors on social media, I think uh, YouTube is now in first place. They, they are the most censorious of the, of the major um, platforms, I think. Yeah. yeah. Have you gotten any any warnings on your content from, uh, you know, no, YouTube, because now I, you're... I'm, I'm very careful and I think one. I think one of the problems was is back then nobody knew when I was joking because I'm I'm very deadpan. I'm very deadpan. But I think now that people have got to know me more, they know they now know my tells for when I'm joking. When you see me, like if my face is like completely blank or I like choke back a smile and stuff like that, that's when people now know my tells and they know it's a joke. So I can make some pretty brutal jokes now and everything, and I do in my stand up. Stand up safe because. Well, you're doing stand-up, everyone knows you're joking. But uh, on YouTube, it's been a lot safer for me. Um, I managed to get my monetization back on my videos, but I had to do I had to I had to phone a few friends of friends of friends and make a few calls to manage to make that happen. So I very interesting. Yeah, that that was that was a bit of a nightmare getting that fixed, but it's fixed and it's fine now. But as far as YouTube goes, I'm doing okay. I don't get harassed by YouTube much, but I just I get no love from the algorithm, like whatsoever. Like the only time I got subs was uh, court dates and people, you know, googling me and finding me. Um, but as for the algorithm, no, nah, I get no love at all. No, I mean, you know, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Uh, would you say this experience has had an effect on your political views? Yes, massively. Uh, um. I mean, I, I mean, in my younger days, you know, the teenage years, I was a communist, like full-blown communist when I was in my teenage years. But then again, just all... like Hitler. Uh, yeah, exactly. Actually, he, he wasn't. Go Goebbels was. He Hitler wasn't. But, <laughs> but like Mussolini, like Mussolini. Like Mussolini, yeah. But I ended up, I've, uh, I ended up, you know, I grew up. Uh, I learned how <laughs> economics works. And uh, I, I sort of faded a little bit. I faded away from that progressively over the years. But then... Uh, when Nazi pug happened, I was still pretty left wing. But then, really, the more and, the more and more. See, see, once you recognise the beast and you you see how dangerous it is, and you see all the things it's doing, that that shifts you. That shifts you in a huge way. And well, you saw what they did. To, you saw what they did to Tommy, uh, yeah. which was, you know, yeah. and that's you know, in a way, that's that's scarier because you know, you know, so Dacula, Dacula gets arrested and, uh, you know, they slap an 800 pound penalty on him and, you know, he becomes a YouTuber and uh, okay. But here's a guy who says, I want to rely on the parliamentary process, democratic process in my country to become a representative. And they cut his legs out from under him like they did with my former client, um, you know, uh, Laura Loomer. Yeah. You know, you love her or hate her and not everyone loves her, even on the right, but this idea that the platforms and the government will decide who is entitled to even really run, yeah, it's really pro really problematic to the whole system. But here you still are. What's next for the what's next for Count Dankula as we come into the home stretch here? Well, it's like more of the same. 
more of the same. I'm enjoying making my Mad Lads content on YouTube. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. I'm hoping one day to maybe even move into like fully fleshed out documentaries, but they would require a hell of a lot of you know time and effort and stuff like that. But that's something I would love to do one day, and that's I'm hoping is going to be a stage that I'll go through in the future. I really want to direct someday, in other words, as they say in Hollywood. I really yeah. want to direct someday. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank, fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. You you, you readily agreed. We've been you know we, we've been lightly pinging each other for many years on on Twitter, and it's it's great to see your face to face and to hear your story, and to see you know uh, Eke, Eke Homo, how you know how a man uh, experiences uh, you know something that again Yanks don't ever really think of as being something that you would, a discussion you'd have with somebody whose first language was English, even if it's the kind of English that yours sounds like. <laughs> which is, by the way, which by the way is, you know, Americans love, love a Scottish accent. So, you know, believe me. They, I, like I noticed, yeah, when I was visiting America, I did notice that, yeah. <laughs> Chicks dig it. All right. <laughs> All right, great talking to you. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll, we'll be in touch as, as we as we've always been, and maybe more so. No worries, man. Thanks very much. Right. All the best. See you later. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com, or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.